Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Faith and Vocation, the podcast of Butler University's Center for Faith and Vocation. This is Brent Hegeed, lecturer in religion and Center for Faith and Vocation scholar in residence at Butler. And with me today is Daniel Myers, director of Butler's Center for Faith and Vocation. Welcome, Daniel. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining me. So as you know, in the podcast, we hear stories from people connected to the CFE, and for the most part, it's been CFE scholars. Mm -hmm. uh, I had the opportunity last week to talk with Marguerite Stanchu, the assistant director, yeah. and so I'm thrilled to have you here as a director. So tell me a little bit about your background, where you're from, your journey, young adulthood into adulthood, your training. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I often start my story a little bit with my parents. Um, my parents um, were both of different religious traditions. My dad's Jewish and my mom grew up um, Dutch Protestant in Holland uh, right after World War II. And they um, met each other on a kibbutz in Israel. And I share all that because it's part of why, um, uh, I think part of how I ended up doing what I'm doing. Um, so we didn't, me and my sister, we didn't grow up religious. But we did grow up enjoying uh, Passover and Easter, Christmas, and Hanukkah, but mostly around food and culture and friends and family. Mm -hmm. um, so somewhere in middle school and into high school, I started going to a particular church that uh, a lot of my friends went to. I grew up in Portland, Oregon. Um, and in high school, I got pretty serious about it and found it to be you know, an important part of my life, but also a per important part of the way I was thinking about big questions and mm -hmm. sort of answering questions around um, meaning and purpose. Um, and so I became a Christian and got baptized, and um, and that was very interesting for my family because that wasn't something anybody else was doing <laughs> at the time. Um, and I think. Um, um, there was some tension with my family around that period in high school. Um, and so when I went off to college, I really had no background in the diversity of Christian traditions, landscape of different denominations. Mm -hmm. All I knew was the church I had gone to and the friend group I had built there and you know the beliefs that I was holding. Um, so college, um, and I went to Willamette University in Salem, Oregon, was a total season of deconstruction, mm -hmm. um, which I think is com somewhat common. Um, so I would say by the end of college versus where I started, I was a completely different person and had very different convictions and had challenged um, most of my assumptions around my own faith. And I did a religious studies um, minor that turned into a major, as they sometimes do. Um, but all of that was sort of off to the side of a being a, a biochemistry major um, and I, that was my main focus in college was science and and I always saw the two working together um, two different ways of asking big questions about how the world works mm. and um, so to me going from you know a physical chemistry class to a class on uh, Taoism or something was totally natural and normal I was trying to answer the same questions but from two different yeah. places um, two different epistemologies right um, and um, most of my friends in college, uh, one of whom I married, were just all interested in seminary and 
religious leadership and sort of breaking down some of what we started with and arriving in new places. And so, um, yeah, a lot of uh, even just acquaintances I might not be so in touch with anymore, but there's several folks from whom who I was pretty close with in college who are now ordained or rabbis or, you know, involved in different kinds of religious leadership. It's kind of interesting. I'm mm. not sure if there was something going on in, uh, in our dorm or, or what, but um, we definitely had this little group. And um, so after college, my wife went to seminary, and I um, followed uh, her to the East Coast. She went to Union mm-hmm. in New York City, and I was teaching high school science. And then I got into uh, my own seminary experience at Yale Divinity School three years later, and fully committed to doing hospital chaplaincy. That's what I thought I was going to do. And then I uh, found I could intern with the chaplain at Yale for uh, like a you know university chaplaincy role, mm. and that was very exciting and fun and interesting, and also played back into that family history of working primarily on um, religious diversity and religious pluralism and how do you work with people of different faiths and um, and that felt really authentic given my my parents um, but you know I assumed and probably correctly that there would be no jobs for that yeah. you know how do you uh, you know okay I'm 25 years old have a degree in masters of divinity and think I like high, uh, university chaplaincy uh, you know, how are you going to find a job in that? But it just so happened that that year was the first year Columbia University was promoting a fellowship for people right out of seminary into the chaplaincy field. And so I worked at Columbia's Office of the University Chaplain for two years as their Earl Hall Religious Life Fellow. That's mm-hmm. what they called it. Um, and that gave me two plus years, if you include an internship, with um, working full time and chaplaincy at college level which was enough for butler to say all right we'll take this guy yeah (laughs) i was on that search committee and it was more than all right we'll take this guy so yeah um, (laughs) so that's from where i came and i landed here and yeah yeah so it's been a sort of a wandering path of pre-med and chemistry to um teaching in high school sciences to Mm -hmm. thinking about wanting to do hospital chaplaincy still interested in that healthcare world to finding university chaplaincy, and then some of the right things fell into place, and here I am. Yeah. How has that experience of a sort of wandering path, plus the fact that you sort of came to your own religious convictions fairly late mm-hmm. in life, how does that give you sort of purchase on what college students are going through? Hmm. Well, for me, my own faith has always been my choice. Um, because it wasn't something taught to me or expected of me by sort of external pressures like my family. In Mm -hmm. fact, it was sort of the opposite. So so I definitely have, I think, some level of understanding when students are navigating their own choices and their own questions around what they believe versus what their family believes um, or what they learned growing up. And sometimes, you know, for many students, that's just the college experience is very affirming of where they where they grew up and, and what kind of tradition they're part of, if they're part of a tradition. And, and that's very, you know, that's wonderful. Um, and for other students, going away to college is a time when they 
some of that starts to be questioned and becomes more uncertain. And they're also surrounded by all kinds of new people. Uh, I, I remember going on a tour of Salem, uh, Oregon, where my college you know, was, um, sort of like during Welcome Week. And the person I was walking next to told me he was Presbyterian. And I'd never heard of Presbyterian. Like, I had no idea right. what that meant. <laughs> I mean, there were Presbyterian churches all over uh, my area of my, my neighborhood, but I'd never registered what that means or anything. And um, so it's just, I, I literally came with like almost no appreciation of mm. the different kinds of, um, of, of options, of ways of doing Christianity in my case. And I think some students might come to college, whether they're agnostic or, you know, um, Muslim, Jewish, Christian, Catholic. Protestant, wherever they might see themselves, um, they might be arriving with the same kind of uh, opportunity to question and think about, mm-hmm. like, what are the landscapes? What does this look like if I, if it was all up to me and my choices? Uh, what would I choose? Um, and I, I, I have a lot of um, yeah interest in learning about that from students and some stories to tell from my own experience around that. And it, it, it's challenging, but it's also important. Um, mm mm-hmm. So that's one piece, I think. Yeah. So besides that sort of uh, relational piece, what what else do you do as director <laughs> of the center? Um, we have fairly limited time. I know you have a long list of... Oh. Um, that was more of a joke, that you do a lot. Yeah. So share a little bit about what you do as the director of the CFE. Um, yeah, well, uh, I get to work with Marguerite, um, who you interviewed last week. Um, together, she and I work very closely on basically four big things, which is uh, how do we make sure religious life on Butler's campus is thriving and supported, and that includes about 15 different student-led groups. Um, And that, you know, sometimes means working with clergy who are part of those communities. Sometimes it means working on particular student events or collaborations or troubleshooting, problem-solving something that a student group uh, is working through. Um, and then uh, a second big thing that we're trying to do is to promote interfaith uh, engagement on campus and pluralism as a value on campus as part of the diversity inclusion work that Butler is striving towards. Um, so that, I think, um, is where our own agenda comes in, where we have a goal about what, what, what faith can look like on campus, which is about Diverse, diverse expressions of that faith or those faiths. Um, so we do a film series that you know tries to um, sh- share some stories that relate to people of different traditions coming together. We have a seminar, uh, re- the Butler Seminar on Religion and Global Affairs, which has, I think, in the last many years, been very dedicated to making sure religious traditions of different voices are featured. Um, and we have an interfaith council, which is a group of students who meet regularly, who come from different perspectives and work together. Uh, so those are things I work with and oversee in some cases. Um, and some of that is working at a high level around like trying to shape the discourse of our public lecture series. And some of it is working much more relationally mm-hmm. uh, with a group of 12 students who are trying to become a community of across the differences um and so i enjoy both both of those kind of modes of working um the third big thing we do is around the vocation work which i haven't really talked too much about um so we're trying i think to be in classrooms to help students think about 
what gives them a sense of their values, how do they make big decisions. We've done a lot of work in the last few years around mentoring, where faculty and staff have been part of workshops from our office to help them think about what it means to mentor students towards their own um, goals and sense of direction. Um, we're doing a workshop for faculty right now where they're trying to embed vocational reflection tools into social justice and diversity courses. Um, so the vocation thing piece of our work can look a little bit more in the curricular space, but it also can be one-on-one -on -one, um, uh, conversations with students, and it also can focus on faculty and staff and the work they do and helping them think about um, supporting students in their vocational journeys. And then the fourth and final thing is wellness um, and trying to make sure our campus is a space where people can center down and uh, find respite from the stress. So we have, I do pastoral care, I'm a confidential resource, but we also do meditation and make partnerships with the BUB Well model and um, we have open forums for sort of digesting the, the news and the world we're in right now. So those are all part of our wellness mm -hmm. issues. So that's what I do. It is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the Center for Faith and Vocation. Mm -hmm. And so I want to take the second piece first. Vocation obviously has its roots in the Christian context mm -hmm. as yeah. a calling from God yeah. for something or to something. Butler has been unaffiliated for the last 60-some years. So <laughs> Butler is a secular school. How, yeah. does, how does that work, taking a term that was originally a Christian term mm -hmm. and expanding it to include students, faculty, and staff, many of whom are not religious, or if they are, they're not Christian. Yeah, that's um, that's a big part of the history of the CFV and navigating that exact question. And um, to the credit of the folks who wrote the grant that established the CFV through the Lilly Endowment, uh, they were pretty open, I think, with their proposal that we're an unaffiliated school and we'd have to con we'd have to sort of convert this term into you know um, a way of thinking about vocation that makes sense for Butler and to the credit of the Lilly Endowment and other resources we've gotten over the years um, um, they have been very supportive of making uh, of thinking critically about the institution at which you are and how these questions of meaning and purpose relate there mm -hmm. specifically so for Butler I think what we've really found traction with is talking about not using the language of calling and caller because that implies a divine being who's doing the calling, right? But instead using language of purpose and meaning. Um, and then we've really tried to hone in, I think, in the last year or two on um, like skill sets that relate to mm. understanding. How do you understand what gives you purpose and meaning? Well, there's actually things you can learn while at college and beyond that help you start to figure that out. And we've 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 honed in on four, which is values, knowing your values, um, being able to use decisions as an opportunity to um, self-author your own life as an opportunity to be for some direction that you're moving towards and mentorship, being able to find networks of support, and then lastly, the idea of being able to tell your story, mm. even if it's just to you, so that you know like how all these mentors and decisions and values and that favorite class and that amazing book you read in the library uh, all in one night because it was so impactful, like all of those little pieces relate to a story 
and I and perhaps they point to a trajectory that is un, untold yet, right? Um, and so, um, storytelling, mentorship, uh, decision making, and values are skill sets we think that are non that are that relate to any anybody perhaps right. who's wanting to think about these things in a big way. And it and for some students, their faith pertains and they bring that in in a really meaningful way and for other students this is not a set of questions that relates to faith or religion religion or spirituality in any way mm-hmm. um, but still you know it's important for them to be thinking about mm-hmm. and I think for other students they're not really thinking about those things which I also think is fine like um, there's some students who come in very clear about what they want to do and they don't need to be thinking about um, big sort of uncertain vocational questions like we might propose um, and so we definitely don't think like we are a one-size-fits-all, everybody needs to come through these kind of programs or these kinds of personal reflections, but we're here for those who want to, particularly whether you have a faith or, or don't. Um, we try to make it, we try to structure the questions in a way that relates to anybody. Yeah, it is uh, sort of flexibility as a virtue Yeah. in that kind of work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah. letting the person who we're working with really set some terms for themselves. Like, how do you want to think about the term vocation? Or how do you see your own direction going forward? And in what ways do your personal commitments, community commitments, values, faith, how do those things you know, serve to inform where you're going? Because some students, that's really important. And for some, those aren't things they're thinking about. Right, right. It's in some ways quite subjective. Mm-hmm. Even if it's after something that might be a bit more objective, it's always a sort of. Um, I think it's not a paradox, but it's a it's a relationality between self and goal that's really interesting to navigate with students. Yeah, and I think the subjectivity is a is an asset mm-hmm. in this case, um, as we talk about something as hard to define as what gives you meaning and purpose that's always going to be subjective but what can be objective is there are actual things you can do that are going to help you uh start to figure out figure out what that is which you know relates to exploration relates to understanding your own identity and what you care deeply about uh those are things you can actually start to write and think and answer it relates to who is in your network that supports you Uh, so i keep coming back to these themes but um so we think there are some objective things that we can encourage people to do that will help them, hopefully will help them start to narrow in on their subjective answer to right. the vocation. Right. Question. A lot of students at Butler do read that story through the lens of a, of a faith commitment mm-hmm. from a religious commitment. And yet at the same time, Butler is becoming more and more diverse in its student body in terms of religious affiliation mm-hmm. and non-affiliation. Mm-hmm. You shared your story that you grew up in sort of a non-practicing interfaith household. Besides just diversity for diversity's sake and the goodness of, of diversity, why is it important in a university setting to really focus on religious pluralism or interfaith? Hmm. Well, uh, for me, this is gets back to kind of the big project of, of liberal arts and, you know, um, formation, the idea of forming young people who are going to become leaders and make a difference in our world. Our world is a diverse place. Um, and uh, being able to have empathy for others, being able to work with people who think differently than you, being able to communicate 
what where from from where you come and what mm-hmm. you value um being able to interrogate your own assumptions those are really important um skills and um attributes for the work we hope our students are going on to do but also for the personal lives we hope they're going on to lead um so uh, I think what, what we're trying to do on a sort of residential college campus like Butler, maybe, is create, you know, a laboratory of, of an ideal learning space, right? Like where there's all these opportunities and giving students the chance to really break down barriers and seize some of those opportunities, which can only be enhanced by having lots of different perspectives yeah. and values, lots of different um, backgrounds and traditions and lots of different experiences. Um, and so more more diverse expressions of faith and secular identities on campus only enhances the classroom conversation, the co-curricular events, the student events, the student communities. Um, it requires students and, all, and faculty and staff too to have to navigate a more challenging but more um, perhaps more real set of conversations, which then let you or set you up, I think, I hope, you know, for the kind of work you might do, whether it's go be a um, pharmacist in a, in a rural community or go on to some kind of academic career in anthropology or, or something in the business world, like whatever your path might be, being able to understand and work with people who are different and appreciate them for that and then see the advantage they bring to your work too and what you bring, uh, I think, is super hard to learn and mm-hmm. is super hard to read about and get but can happen best when you actually are doing it and exposed and experiencing students and others who are different. Right, I certainly agree with that. And there's a course on campus that you and I both teach mm. called Faith, Doubt, and Reason, the first year seminar, and you've taught it now. I think this is your second or third. Just my second year. Mm-hmm. Second year. So what's that experience been like, sort of putting on the academic hat again, mm. being in the classroom with honors students in their first year to invite them to think more sort of intellectually about some of these questions? I mean, it's super fun. Um, The first semester, I've definitely followed the lead of folks who've taught it before, like you and Paul Vallier and James McGrath. Like, I took all the the models and syllabi that you you all had created and tried to structure it in a way that made sense to me, but also kept a lot of that um, (laughs) a lot of that framework. And the first semester feels like, you know, and like. I used to have a professor who would call like like big game hunting an intellectual like an intellectual big game hunting experience where you've got folks like Descartes and Hume and the Book of Genesis and like um, Shakespeare like these are big names who um, who we don't often encounter with the time and energy to really think through and so it's really fun to go sort of traverse through these um, big ideas and. Ultimately, it's challenging, I think, because we're starting from a premise that um, faith, doubt, and reason are not necessarily in conflict. And I think the sort of general parlance of those terms is that they are. Mm -hmm. And so, um, in which students are free to disagree with and pick apart and critique the premise, of course. But we start from a place where we're already sort of upheaving some of the assumptions and that's really fun and then what I've tried to do in the spring I know it's different than what others have done with this class um, is to bring in as many different um, voices from outside the western um, 
the Western canon as I can, and to, you know, also include as many female and non-white voices that I can, so that, and also to include non-Christian voices. Um, so I, I have an eye towards all of that in the spring, and I think it has, um, there's real value in that too, but it also is still a work in progress, because I think I taught it for the first time last spring, and I think it went well, but I want to make some changes, because it really wasn't as tried and tested as the fall has been with mm. all of you having taught that so many years. Um, so, uh, but yeah, we try to look in the spring at the two big ideas of despair and hope and how faith, doubt, and reason, you know, give you resources for navigating that which is despairing and also um, provide um, a, a kind of lens for what hope means in a world where there are significant suffering and challenges. And then students ultimately have to find an issue that they think requires a kind of radical hope um, that implies faith, reason, and doubt must all be deployed to overcome the challenges of that, whatever that issue is. Um, and last spring, students took everything from like climate change to racial injustice to um, Brexit <laughs> uh, <laughs> and all variety of different sort of topics. And yeah. There's no shortage of topics no, that's... requiring radical hope, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's energizing for you to be in the classroom and engaging students. So what else yeah. is energizing to you about their life-giving to you about the work that you feel called to do? I, I'm pretty relational. So when I see two students or two people of any kind like engaging with each other where somebody's like kind of learning something or experiencing the other person in a new way where it's something you can't orchestrate but the, the what what I see myself as doing is convening so whether that's classroom or um, you know something more like programmatic is bringing people into one space and then sort of seeing what happens mm -hmm. and when I get a moment where I can see something's happening over there that I'm not directly orchestrating or involved in but I can tell um, there's an exchange that's going to be meaningful that like lights me up um and so sometimes you'll see uh, a big you know conflicting issue that we've tried to raise in an interfaith council and a couple people are starting to realize the the opinions of another person and understand it in a new way and to me that like it's an immeasurable good that has come out of that session that evening um and uh, so that's, I think for me, when I go home and say, oh, what a great day, it's usually because there was some relational thing that I feel like I saw or was a part of that um, I guess is exactly what I was talking about. is like the learning that difference matters and is good um, and improves our society and our social efforts. Like that, when I see sparks of that learning happening in real time, it's just like, that's what I'm that's what I'm all about I think yeah and that again is at the heart of what liberal arts education is mm -hmm. all about it's just the bedrock of it mm -hmm. it's, it's nice to sort of bring that back around again 20 years from now <laughs> money is no object uh. <laughs> what's your vision for again this is obviously hypothetical what's your vision for the center um I think uh I think the Center uh, for Faith and Vocation having evolved into um, 
a real sort of set of like almost like an institute or an initiative, a set of initiatives that's that's really driven towards encountering that which is other um, through social discourse, through community development relationships, um, but also through the actual walls and the building itself. Um, I think it would be very cool like if there was a building where various kinds of vocational reflection could happen, which includes career-oriented work, um, the kind of support students need for their academic success, um, but also the big questions of citizenship, community, um, and then the vocation side. Like, wouldn't it be interesting if there was one space where all of those different offices, different resources were, were kind of one-stop shopping and the Center for Faith and Vocation was kind of an umbrella of um, support for the kind of inquiry that students are asking. Like that, that sounds cool on the vocation side. Mm. Um, and on the faith side, like um, I think the real direction of this work is moving towards um, um, continuing to not just respond to diversity, but 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 build it at Butler. Um, so. To me, 20 years from now, to see if these been successful, we would see larger communities of our um, of our smaller faith traditions on campus now. There would be larger groups of those, and they would be mobilized, and they would be uh, empowered, and have ownership and stake in what the CFB is doing. And, and the university would have some structures in place for our faith communities to be um, perhaps a little bit more front and center and at the heart of um, both the student student life side, but also the academic enterprise. But I think that putting us in academic affairs is a unique opportunity right mm-hmm. right now. That's not 20 years from now. That's that's current. And um, so we are perceived and, and valued as part of the, the primary academic work on campus, which I think it gives us some real opportunities. But at the moment, sometimes I think, like, we're a little off to the side, right? Like, our physical space. And I think the way in which we operate is a little adjacent from that which is at the heart. And so what can we do to really bring in our colleagues who are also doing similar work and also bring in the questions of faith and community um, further into the center of campus? And uh, I'm not 100% sure how that would happen or what that looks like, I think. But I think there's a sort of a vision of more centrally located in in the minds and perhaps physically <laughs> in the campus experience. It's an interesting vision. It's, I think you're right that there's a physical piece to this, that being on the sort of edge of campus yeah. is literal and metaphorical in some ways for some students. So the idea of, of reconfiguring the space or relocating the space is a really interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know... You know, I don't know how realistic that is, because um, space is limit. Like space is real. Like right. um, there are limits to what the campus can do and what it looks like. Um, and also, the vision for the next twenty years is well in place in terms of how the campus is being imagined and built. And um, but what I think is an opportunity for sure is that, um, how we think about our universe, like our our faith and interfaith and vocational staffing in terms of bringing in people with different kinds of expertise and backgrounds to really serve the unique communities on campus, which only becomes justified when we see the diversity on campus. And so it's sort of a multi-step process of 
can we get more more students of different communities on campus, which then necessitates a different kind of service and, and staffing, which then necessitates a different kind of space and a different kind of, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, model of how the CFE's staff work on campus. Um, and so those are, I think there's steps there, but it takes, you know, a long range of growth. Right. It's not something happening next year, for no, sure. No. That's looking forward, looking backwards. What's been a real peak experience for you in your years at Butler? Your, this is your fifth year? Yeah. What's been a peak experience? Hmm. Um, I think um, the first time I attended the... Uh, seminar on religion and global affairs. It was actually when you were directing on mm -hmm. um, religion, race, and culture. Right. And um, like I had no reference point for what those seminars were, um, so I went in and did my little introductory remarks as the director does, and then sort of watched the evening play out. And we had um, uh, Starsky Wilson who was a pastor and advisor in Ferguson, Missouri, after, um, after all the upheaval that that community had experienced. This is in 2015. And so uh, that was just like a fascinating moment where I realized, oh, part of this job is the opportunity to think with faculty who get along and want to work with the CFE, which is not the case in every university. Sometimes religious life and religious faculty are not all on the same page, but at Butler we really enjoy nice relationships. Um, I get to work with these faculty every year and think about what's not being talked about, what needs to be discussed, who do we need to bring to campus, and we have resources and partnerships in place to do that. Like, that's, that's a huge, that's a gift, right? Like, the, the, that it's not just all, like, program and student-centered um, sort of minutiae type work, like small small work, there's a big project on our plate every year, which is the question of what needs to be discussed right now pertaining to re religion in the globe. And that's, like, really inviting. Yeah. Um, I love the minutiae. I love ordering pizza and making sure it arrives and, and making sure students have pizza so then they talk and I see these moments, like, you know, that I was referencing a minute ago. But um, but it's also occurred to me in that moment, like, oh, like, there's an academic enterprise that this Center for Faith and Vocation is invested in creating and is the owner of. Right. And I get to be part of that conversation every year. So that's been a huge uh, peak every year, getting to think about the seminar that way. I think the other thing that I brought uh, in the onset was um, wanting to see more interfaith programming on campus and working with a student my first year to imagine what an interfaith council would look like, calling up some colleagues in different universities to talk about how they structure theirs, and then like trying the experiment mm -hmm. of, all right, let's see if we can get 12 people to commit to come like often, like every other week for a full year and be in hard conversation. Like, will they want to do that? And the answer is yes, and we've had great groups every year since then. And uh, it's definitely been kind of a lasting sense of joy for me of like creating that with, you know, with everybody else at the CFV and student initiative too. Um, but then seeing it kind of gain some momentum and roll, roll from year to year. That's been a peak. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of really good stuff happening on campus because of the CFV and 
staff <laughs> and you and Marguerite and it's uh, it's exciting to see from the sidelines and from the edges of the staff as well. Um, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you, Brent. And until <laughs> next time, this is Brent Hagee signing off. <laughs>